this? Ugh, this is so boring. What else is on? Welcome to a brand new episode of Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, an animation podcast for geeky girl experience. I'm Hope Malnex, and I make my friend Chris Honeywell watch my favorite animated shows. But in this episode, we're going to we're going to a show. I was like, what did I write? <laughs> we're going to do a show with Gravity Falls roots, but it's carved a name of its own into the halls of Disney greats. We're discussing the Owl House season one. But Chris is not with me this week. Instead, I am joined by one of my favorite people in the entire world, an up-and-coming Star Wars podcaster making a splash in the audio mediums. Please welcome Miss Allie from Knights of Rim Podcast. How you doing, Allie? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm super excited to have you because honestly, I'm just like, I need to talk uh, Owl House with somebody. <laughs> <laughs> and just a little clarification. Knights of Rin podcast, there's a W. It's W-R-E-N. Every time. <laughs> but I just want to make sure people find your show. Yeah. Oh, fuck. I meant to get headphones. <laughs> Good job. Hold on, Ted. I'm going to be right back. That's what editing is for. Let's try this again. <laughs> All right. Let's this out. Because, you know, my brand is laid back and fuck up. <laughs> You know, Natalie Portman one time said that women shouldn't be harp, uh, being shouldn't feel like beholden by their mistakes, and she said to fuck up and thrive, sisters. And I was like, yeah, Natalie Portman. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Owl House. Ah! Uh, so season one just ended. I should definitely say that we will be talking spoilers. So if you haven't finished season one, please stop <laughs> watching this <laughs> please um so Allie, how did you find the show so anyone who knows me knows i've always been a huge fan of disney animation um like i've always i've watched gravity falls star versus just like any like animated show that disney's put out i've just fell in love with so like when the trailers dropped for owl house i like saw them i'm like oh look a new disney animated show i think i'll check that out but I was like still so busy with it was my first year of college and I was starting to podcast more. So I was just really busy and it was bad of me that I just couldn't find time. And then um, in like early July, I saw a clip from Covention and I was like, OK, OK, I really need like I saw everyone probably knows the clip I'm talking about. But like I saw that clip and I was like, OK, I really need to like make time to watch this show. So was in, it like, the duel? Um, yeah, it was like the dual slash the lose and um, Amity scene. It was like that clip. Um, yeah. And I saw that and I'm like, okay, I really need to check out this show now. So in like mid late July, I finally like binged the entire season in like a week. <laughs> so then I like was caught up by um, the time that Understanding Willow aired. So then I started watching live midnight every single night <laughs> that was about the time where i was like you're watching the show too oh my god yeah exactly. <laughs> someone to talk to yeah for me i i think it first came on my radar earlier in the year right around the time the show was announced uh with amphibia and it was i, I saw an article on the mary sue and it was like show about witches is pissing off christians and i was like oh that sounds fun um 
And I started reading the article, and I was like, this, this sounds like a really intriguing show. And then I looked into it, and I saw that um, Dana Terrace was heading it up, and I knew her from Gravity Falls. And then what really hooked me in was Alex Hirsch, because I love Alex Hirsch. <laughs> I love him as a writer and a creator and as a voice actor. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to actually give this show a try and stuff like that. And then I forgot. <laughs> and so I started seeing it kind of popping up my radar about early summer. And I started during the hiatus. Um, I started watching weekly with, I think it's Sense and Sensibility, or the one where they write the book together. Um, I binged it probably about three weeks before it came back from hiatus, because I was like, this sounds really interesting, and I really want to look into this. And I fell in love with this little show. Like, like, what, what about the show do you love? Like, what, what is it that, like, has captured you? I think there's a lot of elements that kind of pulled me in. I love all of the characters. The characters just have such an energy. And like, I always say this about Star Wars Resistance as well. They have an energy and like an upbeat kind of lovability. And other than their lovability, they also have layers as well. And then I think it was also, as you said, it's like a mix with Gravity Falls. So like their secret code messages, there's like a lot of mystery and lore. So like, there was just so many elements about this show that I really love that pulled me in. (laughs) Yeah, for me, I was, um, what really got me right away was the world building. It was right after I watched um, The Lion Witch and The Warden, I started like really thinking about the the smaller nuances. And what really got me like really thinking much deeper about the lore um, was shortly after the the murder of George Floyd, I was looking at like police and animation. And I, I wrote a piece on it and I was looking at how like police or soldiers or people in like the police job is presented in animation and I started thinking about like how protagonists interact with the world and stuff like that and so I got thinking about the propaganda and the world building just in that very first episode and how it actually sets up all the lore that we see in the finale with Emperor Bellus and this is like how to write propaganda 101 in animation (laughs) like like it's so and, and that like the world is actually what got me um, I definitely fell in love with Ida right away because I, I am an older person. So I was like, yeah, Ida, old lady in the bunny slippers with like the sweater. Like, that's my life. <laughs> uh, but Luce is just so charming and so lovely. And um, I ended up falling in love with the characters, which is really weird for me. Usually I'm characters first and like plot and world building second. Um, so I, the characters definitely came later because I felt like some of the writing was uneven here and there in the first half. But the second half, it really came together. So... Well, let's talk about some of our favorite episodes. Me and Allie went to go write down our favorite episodes, and we have all the same ones. <laughs> so, what do you love about the episode Convention? Uh, okay, so this episode, when if we're talking about like lore building, this was a big kind of... It was an interesting lore dump in the way that it wasn't, like, specifically the world lore dump, but it was the world in the way that it's, like, we get to learn more about, like, the coven system, and we get to learn more about um, magic and, like, how it's stripped away when you join a coven, and I I just, I loved all of the interesting little tidbits and building upon um, that plot material there was, and then we also got introduced to Lilith, and we got to, like, start to learn more about Ida, and we got, obviously, as I said earlier, the amazing scene with the duel where Spencer Wan's amazing animation mixed with um, some building with Luz and Amity, and I just love all of the building between Luz and Amity, so. (laughs) Yeah, like, I agree, like, this was the first episode that really fired on all cylinders for me, 
Uh, like the first few episodes, like they were they were fine, they were fun, but this was the first time like we are mixing the A plots and the B plots, and they're coming together. And this was my favorite episode till Agony of a Witch. Like I thought this was the best written one up until that point. Um, but this this was where like the show like really clicked for me, and I was like. Oh, and then there's more like how witches are stripped away of their power by drawing mm-hmm. Coven. Like there's there's mm-hmm. so much that every time I watch this episode, I catch something a little bit new. So yeah. what about? I'm just gonna go straight down this list because we had the same episode. So it's fine. No, it's okay. <laughs> well, um, next we have on here that we both liked Escape of the Palisman. So what was it about that episode that like really gripped you? I guess I just really loved getting development with like other. Char- characters? Can you say characters? I guess, yeah, Albert's a character. So, like, getting just, yeah. like, expanded lore with other characters and just, like, I feel like not every show would focus, like, about, have an episode focus on the owl on a staff and whatever. I feel like some shows would not do that and they just focus, like, mainly on the humans or whatever. But I love how this episode kind of really um, developed that um, part of, like, that character and like you said, you love the Bat Queen, so like I'm here for it. And just seeing Luz, it's it's another episode that really shows Luz's determination to make up and for her mistakes and just to prove that she is capable. And I love that too. <laughs> yeah, like you put it well. This is the first episode where Albert is actually a character, exactly, um, and not because like up to this point he was kind of like cutesy mascot, but now he's actually like he has a story and he has a character, and I. I honestly think, like, Bat Queen's gonna end up being somehow very important. They wouldn't make mm-hmm. such such an interesting character for her uh, and give her this, like, intricate backstory and, like, build this lore around the Palismans if they weren't somehow important. Mm-hmm. And then we see Emperor Bellos, like, I guess, like, eats, eats them? <laughs> eats them, I guess, through his eyes. Uh, I did see it, and so fan art the other day of like Emperor Bellis drinking tea and just like pouring it into his eye socket. Oh. <laughs> um, but they wouldn't build up this Palisman lore if it wasn't important. My crazy screwball theory is Bat Queen was the Palisman for one of the Titans. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. that's my screwball <laughs> theory. But yeah, what about Adventures and Elements? Because this was one that you put on there. <laughs> I mean. This was, like, around... I didn't actually... like. I know this episode leaked, but because I got into the show when I did, I never saw the leak of it. So, like, this was around when I first got into the show, so it holds a special place in that way in my heart. But, like, um, I also just really enjoy this episode so much because we get to, like, see... Ida and Luz training. We get to learn more about how Luz will find glyphs with, like, listening to the island. And then, as I said before, just more Lucinarity. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, then, I just love Lucy Nobody. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so I just, I, there were so many elements about this episode that I loved. And I just, I also really loved the character development and growth with Luz kind of getting to learn to understand listening more to Ida and realizing her mistakes with like stealing Amity's wand and stuff. And there was just a lot of good development with every character in this episode. And I loved it. <laughs> and I always love seeing the twins. <laughs> yeah exactly there we go <laughs> yeah um Edric and Mira just really love it yeah I, I, I need to go back and rewatch this episode because now that we have this whole like background lore with the wild witches um mm-hmm. I, I feel like this is gonna be a very important episode going like to 
constantly refer back to, especially now that, like, Lilith and Ida have been stripped of their powers. I mean, they're pretty much, they're going to learn how to, you know, do this. (laughs) This this will be their magic. I I definitely think uh, it's always fun to see. I lost my train of thought. (laughs) It's fine. Um, But, yeah, I think it's going to end up being an important episode going forward. So what about the first day? All with, with all of these, it's always some kind of like new element in a way. And while we'd seen Hexide previous to this, this time we definitely like got an interesting look at it with like specifically getting it from Luce's perspective and coming in uh, for the first time. Then I'll get it off right off the bat. We got some Lumity content in this episode. Our first <laughs> little shine of Lumity content. Like, let's go. So we get to um, school together. It's not a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't change anything. Yeah. And then um, I also love what you said about the whole, like, the bad kids. But the bad kids like to learn. I love that with how, with this world and the way that, like, magic is works and with the system, the bad kids, they actually like to learn but they can't really learn in the ways they want to. Like, they're kind of like the overachievers, but they can't be overachievers in a way. So I I love that, too. And those characters were nice. And I hope we... And um, Dana said on the AMA the other day that she's seen the fan reception for them, so we might see them again soon. So I love that. Oh, (laughs) yay! On one hand, like, I've been slowly going through the AMA, but on the other (laughs) hand, I'm like, I don't want to be spoiled. Oh, no, I'm (laughs) I'm scared. (laughs) No, 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 no. I, I, I'm, I'm so weird with spoilers because like there's certain things of like, yeah, I would love to see those three back. That's awesome. But there's other things like if Dana came out and was like, Emperor Bellos is this, this, and this. I'm like, I, I don't want to know. Yeah, there were stuff. only like three things I kept track of. I kept track of that, and then there was the thing about Amity's hair, and then there was the being she was confirmed lesbian, and of, of course we already knew Liz was bi, but she like reconfirmed that. So that was the, those were the three main things I took away from the AMA. Because that's the things that most people freaked out over, so. <laughs> yeah. I, I like the first day, too, because it was really the first episode where I started seeing where they were going with the story. Because I had already been, like, talking and, like, thinking about, like, how propaganda worked in this world and stuff like that. I started really, when, when P- Principal Bump was like, okay, Liz, I will change all, all the rules. I was like, how long have these rules been in place? Like, have they been in place, like, for the last few years? Or have they been in place for for a while now and like you know why are you suddenly changing these rules and it got me thinking about principal bump like maybe he doesn't like these emperor rules um <laughs> and he wants to actually be able to teach his students and stuff and i i have several friends that who are teachers and i kind of it reminded me of them of them being like we want to be able to teach children things that they actually need but the way that the bullshit school systems work is we can't we have to hold them back and in, in certain areas and so, like, there's a lot of, like, anchoring to our real world, but there's also, like, we get to see how Luz's and, uh, uh, and Ida's influences are starting to change the world around them to lead up to the finale. So, like, to me, like, this was first step towards the finale. So, I really <laughs> it, so. Understanding Willow. <laughs> this was the first episode I watched live in quotes because like I didn't really I actually watched it like as soon as it dropped um I I really loved like I I'm always big about character building episodes and obviously with this one we got a lot of building with with um not loose um with Amity and Willow 
Um, and I really enjoyed like getting to learn more about like Amity and like because there's there's so much good buildup. I know we'll probably talk about it later, but there's so much good buildup with Amity's character. But this was another episode that really helped show that and helped like the audience see really the perspective and just how much there's so much more complexity behind what why she did what she did and. I, I just really enjoyed this episode. Like, more Lumity content. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> For me, the, the moment when uh, I think it was in Woody's Moving Hassle that Willow was like, yeah, me and Amity used to be friends. I was like, oh, this is going to be good when we get there. <laughs> and I just didn't know that they were going to address it so early in the season. I honestly thought they would keep the friend group as um, Willow, Gus, and Luce. And then, like, maybe, like, you know, Luce and Amity having a friendship. And then, like, season two, start merging those two together. So it was a really, really nice surprise that they would be addressing the, the Luce, not the Luce, the uh, Willow and the Amity story so early. I was not expecting it, so that was a really great surprise. And it also set, set up, like, a really good example of this is how you do forgiveness. And Amity gave all the forgiveness to Willow. And she was like, it's up to you whether or not you want to accept it or not. I, I just wanted to know that I, I realized what I did. I'm sorry for it. And it also sets up atonement, which is something that she also followed through two episodes later with Boshka. When Boshka was like, you're destroying your social life. And she was like, I'm good. <laughs> so the next episode I want to talk about, because... I, I want to talk about Enchanting yeah. Girl, right? And what it absolutely, man. So, hi. I'm an old queer. Nice to meet you. Watching Grom. I, I, I talked about this very recently in, in, in a Star Wars thing, and it still is almost unbelievable that we're just getting queer content so easily given to us. When I was younger, I remember watching Sailor Moon and... We were. I was told that Uranus and Neptune were cousins. And the thing is, is they left in all their flirting scenes. And it dawned on me when I was a little bit older that they were okay implying incest, but not showing lesbians. And I remember being very angry when I was trying to figure out who I was in high school and seeing how media treated people like me. I, I remember like learning about Toya and Yukito and Cardcaptor Sakura, another favorite show of mine growing up, and how they were completely censored out and taken away and hidden away like it was something dirty and, and, and evil that had to be hidden away. And then this amazing, beautiful thing has been happening the last few years of introducing a little bit more and more. Like it started with the Korosami, um, and Korosami came out. And then we had people like, like Alex Hirsch fighting to have two little lesbians in his show. <laughs> And then we got Steven Universe with, like, Garnet and Pearl being in love with Rose and, like, the Garnet wedding. And it just kept snowballing to something as amazing as she And now we have Grom. I think back to how I was when I was in high school, being so angry that media was hiding away these stories about people like me. Now I see your generation, your generation younger than you, getting this content and it makes me so happy <laughs> that you guys don't have to go through that and that pain of feeling like well if I'm not um important then I have to be hide that part of myself away and there's still a ways to go like we could you and I could go like off on Star Wars for a lot of different reasons not just for <laughs> queer content but like everything that you know John Boyega has been talking about in the last week which is true but 
it's still not perfect, but we're moving in that direction. And Grom, being able to watch Grom and knowing that I wore a tuxedo to my prom <laughs> and took my girlfriend to prom at the time and wore a tuxedo, like it was 16-year-old Hope had like really needed that. But 33-year-old Hope is really happy that you guys have it now. And I can't even begin to talk about the importance of seeing something like Grom. And it means a lot. So thank you, Dana Terry. <laughs> So why do you like Grom before I cry? Oh, <laughs> wait a minute. Sorry, go ahead. You talk. Don't look at me. Oh, it's okay. No, you you said it so so well. Like I I couldn't. You obviously have a very unique perspective being older and being queer. I can add on to the fact that I definitely highly agree with everything you said like representation is so important and especially with the younger generation getting to grow up with stuff like this like I remember growing up with Gravity Falls and I would since I was on social media I saw like stuff Alex Hirsch and all the stuff that happened in regards to that and I was like oh gosh Disney why (laughs) but now Disney's actually doing stuff like this and I remember because I stayed up till midnight to watch like all the episodes I still remember being up that night and seeing everyone's like fresh reactions right when it dropped and seeing like how happy everyone is and emotional and just the fandom like it was trending so high on the list that night it was like so crazy and I just loved how much it touched everyone and I loved seeing it and it was just amazing um what they did heard all around the world like it made headlines yeah it it was the episode heard around the world yeah it was just so amazing and I'm so so grateful that Disney's starting to take steps in that direction and I'm so grateful that Dana Terrace was willing to fight for it as much as she did uh, uh. (laughs) (laughs) so um next we have uh Agni of the Witch and this was the last one on uh, my list um I wasn't sure if you wanted to discuss the finale too for me, this was the emotional height of this series. I, I actually really wish they put Agony of Witch and Young Blood Old Souls together. That's um, what everyone says, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because having that week in between, it really just kind of took a lot of the air out of uh, Young Blood Old Souls because Agony of the Witch was the best writing of the season, um, <laughs> in my opinion. Like, this is where everything came together. It was the emotional height of the series. It had the best animation of the series. Um <laughs> It introduced Bellas as a character, and my god, that fight at the end. Oh my god! <laughs> that was some amazing animation! Yes! <laughs> and and this, it, it took the spot of my favorite episode. Like, this is still my favorite episode of the season. Like, I'm sorry, convention. <laughs> out, you're out. <laughs> like, I, I watched this episode probably about four times in three days, because I just, I, I couldn't, I was, oof took my breath away yeah i a lot of people have said this but i love the end of the season was just so good like i loved grom i loved wing it like witches i loved agony the witch like just top yeah. tier content this end of season <laughs> from from first day to the end of the season like that yeah. was a solid chunk of i actually yes. i would go i go a step further back um adventure in the elements to there the we go. <laughs> yeah like that was the solid chunk of the season mm-hmm. yeah I mean, I just loved so much about this episode. Like, the emotional execution was so amazing from everyone. And, like you said, top-tier animation. And it just really brought everything to a head. And it was just so, so incredibly crazy. <laughs> um, 
I, I just really enjoyed it so much. And I really look forward to like seeing what the show will continue to do with episodes like this. Cause like this show is just like the height that the show is capable of reaching. And so I'm so excited to see future um, episodes like that. And, and like, I think it really, it really built up well. I think that the episodes leading up to it just really like it worked well in the way that there was just to build up even in this episode. Like it's like, Oh, here's, we're just having gay panic and playing grudge V and now all of a sudden we're like <laughs> crying because Ida's like, <laughs> like it was just, I loved how it just like slapped you in the face like that because honestly it made it just that much more intense. <laughs> Advice from an old queer to all the little, little queers. I promise you that gay panic does not go away. <laughs> I am going through it right now with a crush and like every time she's just like, Hey, what the how's your day? I'm just like, oh, don't talk to me. <laughs> like, it does not go away. So get used to it now. Yeah. Like, I I made the joke and then I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so it, uh, let's get to the characters a little bit. Um, I have this broken down kind of like the major characters and then sadly everybody else is kind of clustered together at the beginning. <laughs> um, <laughs> I want, I want you to open with Luce. What What are some of your thoughts about Luce as a character? Well, I guess, like, you could say, because you relate to Ida because you're older, I kind of related to Luce because I'm younger in a way. Um, especially for the fact that, like, she likes art stuff. She's, like, super, like, out there and she loves doing cool fan projects or whatever. And, like, I don't know. <laughs> I, like, I just, oh, I've adored her since the beginning. And I also love how she can as much as she's just such a bright energy and so go forth she still has moments like wing it and wing it like witches where she like realizes she's gone too far with that kind of attitude but so she's like she, she has layers where she's just so youthful and optimistic yet she still understands the weight of things and i love that and i love how much she just really wants to be creative and pursue her creative outlets and try her best to prove that she is capable because I feel that a lot in my life right now I'm like I want to maybe pursue something with art when I grow up but like my parents might not think it's the best career path but I still want to prove that I'm capable that my interest can be worth it and can help me be successful so I just there's just a lot I love about her and I obviously just related in turn ways like that <laughs> yeah I, I like Luz as a protagonist um a lot the fact that her fault is enthusiasm to a fault is a very good one to have. And it also, because on one hand, it lets her show her kindness. Um, because all she wants, everything that she does is comes from a place of love, which makes her a really good protagonist. And so when she does go too far, like wing it like witches, it, it, it shows how good she is as a person to like, you know, try and like atone for her mistakes and stuff like that. It's she, I like her enthusiasm to a fault. Um, and it's also a good practice for me because there are sometimes like when it comes to like watch, like this, is, this is the problem of being an older person analyzing animation. Cause sometimes I'm just like, you're 14. But then I'm like, yeah, she's 14. Like, remember, she's 14. Like I was a little spaz at that age too. Like I was the exact same way, but I, I liked that because I think that also, which the finale brought up, is they will be a, like, she's learning patience. She kind of reminds me a lot of Ahsoka in season one. Um, she, she's definitely learning patience. 
and calming down, which is how I think she was able to play the Emperor so well. Because all their information that they ever had about her was like, she'll do anything for her friends and get this stuff. <laughs> and she played them because she was just like, I'm making this choice. And her choice to destroy the portal was not a rash one. Like she actually thought about that, but it also shows her trust in her friends. You know, she was able, she's like, I might destroy this one way now, but I know they're going to help me get home. And because they're my friends and I love them. And I, I like, I think she's a fantastic, fantastic protagonist. And I'm very excited to see where she goes from here. Um, everybody ended on such highs that I'm not quite sure. I, I like Lumity too, but I also feel like Luz and, Luz and Amity need to be characters on their own as well. And not just characters together. Um, so I'm not quite sure where they're going to take Amity. I have a better idea. Cause I think she's going to go on this whole like rebellion against her parents and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But Luz, mm-hmm. I, I don't know where they're going to take her because the logical choice is the romantic path, but I still want Luz and Amity to be characters on their own as well as to complement each other. But they also need to be able to stand on their own as well. So I'm not quite sure. I, I'm, I'm interested to see where they're going to take Luz. And that's why I think when, I don't want to keep bringing it up, but, like, Dana and the AMA was, like, while this is, like, an element of the show, it's not the show. Like, she made that clear in the AMA. She's like, well, we are happy to see the reception that Lumini's getting. It's never going to become the show. And I think that's important to acknowledge because, like you said, Luz has to be a character on her own. And obviously she also acknowledged, like, the parental stuff. So, yeah, we definitely know kind of where Amity's going to go. But I think... A big aspect possibly of Luz in the future will just really be the biggest one I can think of, obviously, is the fact that she's now going to be teaching um, Ida and probably Lilith glyphs. And it's going to be a big teacher mentor relationship. And I think it's also going to be just trying to obviously because we don't know exactly what's going to happen with the Day of Unity yet. But like there's just going to be a lot of buildup, I think, with them learning together in the new ways they have to learn. And I think that's a possible route that I can think of. I don't know what else they'll do, but I definitely think there's ways that they can do other storylines besides the romance. I don't know. <laughs> I want to touch on that because I forgot about that. So I'm glad you pulled up. What <laughs> do you think the Day of Unity is? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I, I have no I'm idea. I'm theorizing on this as a lot of people. I don't know. <laughs> it's yeah. because, like, like we get from Bellows that their goal is not to invade the human realm unless he's bluffing for some weird reason but like <laughs> so we know it's not that but like i i think there's a lot that could go into it in regards to both like um because they had to take care of like wild witches and so like obviously it's a lot a lot of it has to do with like reigning in a system and then i think there might be because of that it might be in relation to taking more control in a way like people are thinking even though they're not taking over the human realm they there might be some like connections to possibly like expanding magic in a way especially with how he's clearly taking an interest in loose arriving and how she uses magic and i don't clearly have a solid idea on what it is but i i we definitely gotten little hints i guess i don't know (laughs) portal trauma portal what it's gonna do is it's gonna connect up to uh ford's portal and exactly and bellos is actually like bill cypher in ford's brain or something (laughs) Have you yeah. have you seen the edit? Someone did like an edit where like it's like Ford walking through the door when like Lilith is cursing Ida. <laughs> <What? laughs> I'm gonna send it to you. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I don't know what to make of the Day of Unity either. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll get to Bellas and... Well, no, we'll, you know what? Let's go ahead and talk about Mr. Emperor Bellas <laughs> right now. Come back to everybody else. He gives me... I'm torn between very Horde Prime from She-Ra or Emperor Palpatine from Star Wars. Kind of like their love child. Uh, <laughs> because yeah, they, I see it. <laughs> both, uh, both, both of them use these like very propaganda like methods of controlling everybody around them. Um, but he makes he feels more like Horde Prime from She-Ra to me because because of the word unification, like the day of unity. Mm-hmm. And and the fact that he's going out of his way to take away anything that's different or the other. Um, and it feels like he's trying to put everything in his image. And when you look mm-hmm. at around his palace, there's very like religious, like borderline religious iconography <laughs> going on. Like he's in stained glass windows and he has like these Jesus sunbeams <laughs> coming out of his head. So, like, it feels almost like he's been trying to indoctrinize everybody, um, and he's taking away anybody else that's outside of that. So, I, but I don't actually know what that has to do with Loose or the Portal or the real world. But I think it, to me, it makes him a very fascinating villain. And anybody who knows me, like, knows I love a good villain. <laughs> Give me good villains every day, any day, all day of the week. I love villains. But yeah, I don't know what to do, what to think about him um, and what the Day of Unity is. But I do know I think he's going to, I think this is just the beginning. I don't think this is the end. I. When it comes to Luce, I think especially because with like the glyph magic, it's a way of them doing magic where he has like no control of it really. Like he... Well, a lot of people, it's up to debate whether people really think he can speak to the Titan or not, or whether he's bluffing, but I think it's really the fact that, like, there's a way that, like, Luz can speak to the, ty- to the Titan and the island in a way, and this glyph magic he can't really control, and like you said, it's trying to find that unity, and so I think that's the way that you could possibly bring humans into it, because humans are ha- finding this ability to do magic in a different way that he has no control over. I don't really know, this is all kind of, like, thinking... Who knows? <laughs> I mean, part of me also thinks that he might be human, um, which I've yeah. seen floating around. Yeah. My my wild ball theory for a while there was he was actually the Titan personified, and he was trying oh, to yeah. keep the witches from stealing his magic. But I'm not really feeling that one as much anymore. But yeah, I, I don't know what to think of him, but what, what do you think of Bellos as a villain? I have one more thought connecting over what you just said. I think also another thing that people point to to the possibility of him being a human or something is like it goes back to him like cutting open the palisman and like drinking them because <laughs> I, I, I we know he's been ruling for like at least fifty years and we don't quite know how old he is but like obviously using the palisman is maybe a way to like help him keep his strength you know I don't know. <laughs> I mean, as a villain, oh my gosh, that first scene we get with him, he's just really intimidating. He's, like, scary, okay? Especially with the heart. I think, like, the bile sack or the heart or whatever it is, I that that the beating just makes that scene even more intense. And he's just intimidating in a way. And, like, that's why I think it, it becomes such, like, when Luz does kind of, well, she, we see at the end of the episode he's, like, rebuilding it or whatever. But, like, he kind of, she kind of, like, tricks him in the way of, like, he wasn't probably expecting her to blow up the portal. So, like, he's intimidating in that way, but 
to the point where when something like that does happen, it's just that much more shocking and it's that much more frightening that he'll try that much harder to take back control. <laughs> yeah, and, and there's a very science element to it as well. Like, um, we see that he's using machinery. His staff is almost... Um, his, his staff is very mechanical, not like mm-hmm. natural wood or stone. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really do think he's probably from our world, our world, as if we live there, <laughs> <laughs> from the human world. It kind of reminds me a little bit of old debates I used to have when I was into Once Upon a Time. Um, because you would have the very scientific characters like, like Victor Frankenstein meshing with people like the Mad Hatter, which is a very magical character. And, like, they would be having these, like, back-and-forth debates and stuff about, like, science versus magic and how to control magic with science. Um, and I, I could see that we're go- we could be going into that direction of this clash of, instead of this being a high-fantasy show, it's a clash of, like, sci-fi and fantasy together. Mm-hmm. All right, I know you want to. Tell me everything about Miss Amity Blight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh, okay. Okay, go crazy, girl. Ah, screaming. Ah! Ah! That was sad. This was, like, one of the first things we were saying. Like, when you first found out I was watching the show, we were like, like, yes, the writing on Amity is amazing. Because it is. It is so amazing. Oh, my gosh. Because, like, we get Amity in the beginning, and we think she's... Well, they play her off as, like, the stereotypical, like, bully role... And then as we go throughout the show, we continue to see the layers of Amity. And even when she's doing what she's doing, we see the layer of she wants to be a good student. She's worked hard. She just wants to like see her work acknowledged. And she thinks that she just really wants to get to the Emperor's Coven. She has all these ambitions. And then we get like the parental aspect and how controlling her parents have been whether it comes to her hair or whether it comes to her studies or and and who she's friends with and i i just love all of the building they do with amity and how they continue to develop her character and just and especially in the relation to others like we talked about with understanding willow like the way that her relationships are continuing to be progressed both with like Luz and willow and how they're learning that like forgiveness is a process and that while they're still working towards it, it's something that both of them are willing to work for. And she is willing, obviously we see at the level of what we've seen with season one, she's willing to stand up against her friends. So I think, as you said earlier, we probably in season two will see her standing up against her parents more. And I think it'll also be really interesting um, to see how she's, she reacts fully because we saw we only saw her very briefly at the end of the season so i think seeing learning more about how she reacts to everything especially because now lilith's like out of the emperor's coven and she was like lilith's protege and just seeing like everything that goes down with that but i just really love amity there's just so much development you could spend hours and hours probably talking about every specific aspect of the screen time she gets and how it develops her character but that's just my brief little spiel i <laughs> think Sorry to all the other characters in Ida and Luz. I mean, Amity's the best written character of the season. Yeah. Um, she had the biggest character arc. She had the biggest development and everything. I'm quite astonished at her writing because normally this kind of story arc, I, I think it's the pace of it that really gets me. Because um, normally this kind of story arc would be like at least two seasons worth yeah. of work, or three seasons worth of work. Um, and maybe this is a new thing because, like, what, like, 
in Star Wars Rebels, Cal spent a whole day on an ice moon with Zeb, and he was just like, fuck the Empire after that. And it just took one hot Lasat hanging out on an ice moon with him. Uh, <laughs> but, like, it, it could be a, just a neat thing, but they moved that really fast, and they gave her several seasons worth of character development in a single season, and I think that's impressive. Um, what I would like to see is her actually have a couple moments of backsliding, though, so she could then grow even more. Um, I think that would be a really good way to take her. But she definitely needs to stand up to her parents. Um, mm-hmm. And I love her brother and sister. <laughs> I I do. I love the twins. Um, I would like to see them develop a separate people, too, because twins are different people. Yeah. Um, I, I would like to see them going that way. But to me, it also feels like the twins are more in her corner versus her parents' corner. Because it's not her parents taking her out, teaching her to practice magic. It's the twins. Um, they're the people who seems to be the ones that are really supportive of her. So I would actually like to see them maybe disagree. Maybe one of the twins sides like with the... Maybe Amira sides with the parents while Edric sides with Amity. I think that would be a really interesting conflict as well. The, the entire Blight family dynamic is... I'm very fascinated with that. <laughs> like, I really want to see it really, really bad. So Yeah. Like, you said they really do the development they do with Amity. They do it quick, but I feel like it's still at the place where there's still a lot to go. Like, Dana's acknowledged that Willow and Amity aren't completely on good terms yet. Like, they're still working on their relationship. And um, and then, like you said, there's still a lot that she has to deal with in relation to her parents. And she has to deal with stuff in relation to the Emperor's Coven and Lilith. And I just think the way that they progressed her story, it, it worked so well in the way that most shows, like you said, most shows would probably still have her be, like, the full-force bully for, like, multiple seasons, but, like, I I loved how they actually worked to get her to the level that she is already, because I think it opens up the door for, like you said, possible backsliding, possible other um, things that come into play. I think it really opens up a way to develop those kinds of um, storylines and character development in a much more fluid way now that we've gotten to the place that we have. Yeah. I kind of want to talk about Ida and Will together because you can't really separate their stories. (laughs) Um, Their stories are so intricately tied together. I like Lilith's story. Um, Ida's fun. Um, I felt like she got sidelined for a lot of the the first season for, like, Luz and Amity. But then, of course, we find out it was for a reason. She was hiding how bad the curse Mm -hmm. was getting. So I I like that they gave us a reason because I was actually getting very frustrated there for a while. (laughs) I think I mentioned it, like, five weeks in a row of in my reviews um, over at geekygirlsparents.com. I think I mentioned it, like, five like weeks in a, in a row going where's Ida and her curse <laughs> but um Lilith was interesting because it felt like the entire first season was her redemption arc and in, in a way that she spent most of the first season trying to atone and fix her problems and fix her mistakes mm-hmm. but it was just from a very misguided point of view and I, th- I think where the emperor's like how he works propaganda in this world really shows with Lilith. And let's let's not mince words. Lilith's not the only one that fell for it. Amity's <laughs> fallen for this propaganda. We had Willow in Agony of, of a Witch going, the emperor taught us the right way yeah. to do magic. Yeah. Like that's terrifying. <laughs> um that and so it's not just Lilith who's fallen for this. It's the entire world. And I think she's such a fascinating character because 
from a misguided point of view, she realized that she wanted to help her sister. It was all coming from a place of love. And Ida and her always loved each other. Ida clearly still loved Lilith and like wanted to be like around her and help her. And they helped each other out on several missions. It was just this one thing they disagreed with. And I love them. <laughs> I definitely agree. I, I love because obviously a lot of people have her still full canceled. And obviously everyone that night was like, she's canceled. Like, and that, silly profile pic was going around everywhere with the ex of her <laughs> but like I I had so much fun that night because I was like because I of course I love villains I love villains so much I was like y'all can cancel her that's just more for me give it to me <laughs> like, give me all the Lilith <laughs> but I think especially with we what we get in the finale now people who did that have a, lo- a number of people who did that have gone back now and like watched this season have seen just how much because like we see throughout the season that she is like, she does seem to have the best of intentions. She's like, the emperor can heal you. It will be like, just like we grew up wanting to do. But now that we especially get the backstory that we do in the finale, I think it really makes those moments just have even more weight and strength with how we see how much that really just was her pure intention and how it really was a turning point for her when she realized that's like, she was lied to and, that's why like she even says like this is like why i was here and like even before emperor bello shows up she's like i will stay in emperor's coven but i won't make sure nothing happens like this again like she just really does not like she even says in the finale like i want to join the emperor's coven and make make the world a better place she never had like bad per se intentions like yes she made a mistake by like cursing ida and maybe if she like had talked to Ida first, things could have gone differently. <laughs> Talk to people. <laughs> um, Communication. But- <laughs> what a she magical such as like come on. But like we still see that she just had such like her only intentions really ever were just really to like help right her wrongs. And I love how they really progressed that throughout the season, especially now looking back at it. Yeah, and I think Ida is now, even though she's the younger sister, I think she's going to be playing a much different role in her sister's life. Because Ida seems to be very knowledgeable about the wild witches and the ways, because we saw her teaching these to loose and stuff like that. Um, so I think they're going to have an interesting dynamic going forward. Is Lilith living at the Owl House now? <laughs> like, is that a thing? Yeah, I I really thought their story was great. I, I really hope going into season two, though, like, Ida gets a little bit more focused now. Because it was very Ida-focused, like, right at the beginning. Like, oh, she has this curse, which was a lovely allegory for mental health going on as well. But then it just kind of dropped off from the center to the end until it like, was just like, oh, by the way, the curse. So I, I would like to see that, especially now, like, with Luz having to teach them as well. Mm-hmm. I actually think Ida's probably going to be fine in the long run because she's so used to practicing this wild magic anyway. Um, I think Lilith is the one that's going to struggle and I think that's going to be the interesting story. And I have no idea where they're going to take her. Um, I was actually honestly hoping she would stay in the Emperor's Coven and we'd get that like season three Agent Callus and Star Wars Rebels kind of story <laughs> double agent going on. Um, that would have been a really interesting take but I have no idea where they're going to be going with her now so... I love Hootie. Oh my god. Everybody hates Hootie. I love Hootie. He's such a good character. What is he? I don't know. He makes me laugh. 
to me, Hootie's more of a character than King is. King True. is adorable, but he's the mascot. But Hootie's like mysterious, and he's always powers, and he's apparently a demon also, but he has chicken legs. And he's like all powerful, <laughs> and like he, he, he can do all the stuff. And, and I think that's okay, because we're now moving on to King and Hootie, just so everybody knows. Um, but like for me, like I love King, and he's adorable, and he's funny, but. He's more of a mascot than a character because all of his storylines were just like, oh, I don't want people to see me cute. And I don't want people to be forget about me. And he didn't. Yay. And like that. So I, I really want King development because I feel like there's a crazy backstory. I feel like he has this. Like, why is his name King? Is he really the king of demons or is he just like a cat dog Cubone mix? Like, I feel like there's so much that we don't know about King that I really hope we start getting in season two. But, like, Hootie's my boy. (laughs) Okay. Other than, like, development, like you said, on his backstory, I think they really... I know this is probably just, like, the kind of character he is or whatever, but, like, I feel this was one of my few critiques I had with the show. I felt like every King development episode immediately had backtracking too much so because it felt like every time he was kind of learning a very similar lesson and he just had to keep relearning it <laughs> I was just like come on <laughs> but, I mean, so, like, said, like some people do have to take multiple times relearning it um it just it's just repetitive in a single season though like it's it's yeah. one thing if it was like there is like one king learning this lesson like one a season but when you have like what like three in a season yeah that's exactly <laughs> I mean, that's, like, one of the critiques I have, but obviously maybe they're doing that for a reason. Like, maybe he'll get some crazy backstory where we learn there's some... I don't even know. But, like... And then on the side of Hootie, I was so glad that he, like... Because everyone was, like, canceling Hootie until we got um, Young Blood Old... I mean, not Young Blood Old Souls. Until we got Agony of a Witch, and he was just beating up all the Emperor's, <laughs> the Emperor's Coven people. And, like, everyone was like, okay, I stand Hootie now. And everyone who stand Hootie was like, you guys are too late. Go away. We have stand Hootie for far longer. <laughs> I, I fell in love with Hootie episode one. I was like, you're amazing. <laughs> and... And I like, because sometimes, and, and maybe this is, like, the thing with King, too. Like, I don't, I don't think King needs to have some, like, grand backstory yeah. or overarching character development. Like, he has a very specific role to play. He is a supporting character for for Ida and Luz. And that is his role in the story. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if, if this show is going to be, like, four or five seasons, he's going to need these little stories <laughs> here and there to kind of, to justify why he's there. Yeah. Hootie, Hootie is... This is the house. Like he is, he is the defender. He is the protector. He can make his mouth do weird things. He could probably eat a child. Like, and so he has his role, and I just don't know quite what King's role is in the story. Mm, Yeah, but he's cute as hell. (laughs) (laughs) Like I want to stuff King. Yeah, (laughs) he's cute. Um, and and let's wrap up the characters, kind of talking about everybody else. Um. So we have characters like Gus and Willow, and we also got Bashka and Principal Bump and the twins. We talked about them as well. And just the lovely people of Bonesboro and like Kiki Morris and theirs too. Uh, Bonesboro and the Boiling Isles. Like, what, what are your thoughts about like the rest of this world? I love how much we've gotten like to see other kinds of characters and especially other like witches. Like we've seen 
it would be kind of easy to like be like show mostly oh well well obviously we see mostly the covens the main characters are in we still see a ton of other characters who are like wearing different colored uniforms and especially as we get more development like with um wing it like witches we definitely get to see more like people interacting with willow and i i loved that they had so many different unique characters like this happens with like any fantasy show but i love all the different unique designs they've had so far and i all of the background characters are charming too and i just i love them <laughs> oh except for basha she's the worst but everyone else <laughs> everyone i love else basha. Is pretty awesome. <laughs> Even that mean girl energy. <laughs> I love Vasha. Uh-huh. <laughs> Actually, about Vasha, um, I, I would say this would be my only criticism, and it's not just like it's it's a criticism of the world, but it's not just here. It's in like all media. Um, I I especially feel this way a lot with Star Wars, where you have the very human characters are always the heroes and the people who are like uh, in this case like monsters but in the case of star wars like the aliens they're rarely the heroes um and it makes it feel like super human centric so like i i always see that like beautiful girl who has like the almost like the moon shaped head i love her i think she's adorable why can't someone like her be a main character and I think it's I think it's this fear that it's like it's gonna be like too ugly or like we're not gonna connect with them because they don't look human enough and stuff. But that's just more of a criticism of media in general because yeah. everybody here is super duper human. And Boshka is really the only person that's like slightly different just because she has a third eye, but she's still really human. Um, like why can't other people with like the monster features and stuff like that like? be a little bit more front and center as well. Like, why does the main character have to be human? Anyway, I love Willow and Gus. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a real fear when Amity and Luz was bonding because I didn't want to lose that relationship of Willow, Gus, and Luz. I love... Everybody, I guess, doesn't like Gus, but I love Gus. Like, he... <laughs> I, I like that he has that equally, like, young energy to where Willow is almost parenting the two of them. <laughs> Um, but I think he's a, he could in, very much be like a really interesting character going forward because with him being the youngest, he's going to have that room to, to really grow and mature in a certain way. Um, and with him being such a showman, I think he could have a really big role to play if there does like end up being a revolution in Bonesboro. <laughs> like he could be like the face or the mouth. Like, can you imagine him like running an underground like radio station of like, this is Gus here to tell you about all your... It clearly runs in the family. (laughs) I I think they could really grow him, and Willow's just such a good character. She, to me, is... Outside of Ida, I think Luz is right, she is the strongest witch, and she has so much power and so much potential, and I love seeing her confidence grow and her coming into her own and overcoming those confidence issues. Like, I, I would say after Amity and Luce, I, I like Willow to me as one of the best character arcs of this season as well. As much as like I related and love Luce for like how we were similar with our creative ways and working to embrace that. And I also really related to like Luce was kind of like my extroverted creative side and then Willow was like my introverted like wrecked past tie because like I've dealt with bullying. I've dealt with feeling like I'm not good enough and like I kind of related to her on that level I guess and I loved how like you said I love how now she's working to become more confident like she's getting to patch things up with Amity and I I love her too (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, I think she's had such a good arc this season. Um, now I would like, since Willow had a lot of the arc of season one, I would like to see Gus have that arc season two to see like mm-hmm. where they could take his character um, in relation to like Luce and all of that. If they ever put Gus and Amity in the same room, I think they would have a very interesting dynamic. Um, I would love to see that dynamic because um, mm-hmm. right now it feels like like Luz has a relationship with Willow and Amity. Amity and Willow has this like relationship together, and they all have relationships to each other. And then like Gus is this outlier yeah. to their like little wrinkle. And yeah. I would love to see maybe maybe Amity develop a relationship with Gus. Maybe they have like secret. Like maybe she he helps her write the. <laughs> do the like a tv show about like azura the witch or whatever um <laughs> and they write like a fan video of it oh my god that'd be <laughs> they make a fan video together and they put it up on instagram <laughs> oh that'd be so good you know you want it <laughs> but yeah i, I want to see them work gus back into that little like girl triangle group that they have and 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 see them together and moving forward, I definitely want to see the parents. Now that they've introduced a parent for every child, um, I think that's going to be a really interesting... The, the adults of this world are going to be interesting mm-hmm. because they're probably... They were the first wave of the propaganda babies of Emperor Bellows. But I was starting to thinking, like, their parents, like Ida and uh, Lila, their parents, uh, Willow's parents, Gus's parents, the Blight's parents, they probably still remember a time of wild witches. Because they were probably alive in that time period and when that transition happened. And I think that the parents going forward are going to be a really interesting dynamic. And plus, I've always liked parental figures and mentor figures in animation, like having like Tenzin and Lin Beifong in Korra or Stan and Ford in Gravity Falls or King Micah and Shira or the Crystal Gems. Like, I, I think adults present very interesting dynamics. Because not only do they help teach the young protagonists like how to interact, but they also like are there to help lift them up as well. That, now that we have all the parents, I think they're going to be a very interesting dynamic going forward. Mm-hmm. Anything <laughs> about characters of this world? I guess if we're on that train, I don't. I I want to punch the blight parents, <laughs> especially after what I saw on Friday. Like, nope, nope, the cancel or Thursday or whenever that was. I I just like uh I, I definitely agree with what you said in relation to the parent, parent dynamics, especially because, like, with other shows and media, you kind of got to see, it, like, the younger generation, like, has that experience. Like, they'll be the ones who are going to change the world and the old ones have to adjust. But, like, I think it's interesting how you said that, like, they still have some kind of memory, possibly, of the times before the coven system. And so that could add a new, unique layer to the ways that the older generation also comes to adjust to it. And we see that in um, the finale where there are like older people in the crowd who are like there to help Ida. And I think it's really about breaking away from the system. I think that's the biggest thing for all of the characters that are going to have to work through, especially because even at the end, Emperor Bellows continues to try to frame it in his favor and present him as like the, albeit. And a lot of people have also pointed out a big questioning factor possibly could be that Emperor Bello says Ida will like still be in her Albie's form, but now that he d- didn't know that Lilith would do what she did, now that may pe- make people question the Emperor more or something. I don't know, but like that's just his thoughts. <laughs> yeah, like it- it's really interesting how Ida and Luce have been spreading their influence through the town. 
Um, especially in Bonesboro. I think I think Bonesboro is probably going to end up being ground zero of whatever happens. Because Luce spread her influence throughout the school, while Ida spread her influence throughout the town. And have you seen Amphibia? Yeah. You know how at the end of season one, when all the toads come to um, Wirtwood at the mm-hmm. end and they all come together, it, they, those two shows really reminded me a lot of each other um, mm-hmm. with this finale and that finale. <laughs> um, and I, so, yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how it goes forward. Do you think there's going to be a revolution? I, I, I think so, yeah. <laughs> Based on what we've seen, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you think the revolution's going to be or look like? Uh, <laughs> well, like you said, I definitely think especially with how we saw Willow and Gus take the roles they did in the finale, I think they definitely could help head that. Um, I think it's really going to be, like I said, working a way to break away from the system. Um, Obviously, so we know if they've joined... So, like, the older people obviously will have a harder time because if they join Covens, they've had their magic stripped away. But the younger people definitely, I think, will maybe continue, like, more embrace more other magic. Like, Yes, they're young, so they're doing all kinds of magic already, but like I think even more in a way, um, especially maybe we'll see even more um, mixed coven kind of stuff. I don't know. <laughs> and I, I think it really will just be kind of a coming together and breaking away from the system and like embracing that kind of influence that Luce and Ida have started to have. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and th- this show pulls so heavily on Harry Potter in a lot of ways. And in one of the final battles of, well, it was the final battle of Harry Potter was the Battle of Hogwarts, which was the school was ground zero, and that's where Voldemort was defeated. Um, I, I could see that hap- a very similar story happening with Hexide, that the Coven, that the Emperor's Coven comes down and takes over Hexide and like is making sure that they're enforcing this. Because Principal Bump to me is kind of, in a lot of ways, reminds me of a very funny McGonagall. And the fact that, like, he, he has these sassy one-liners and stuff like that. But at the, at the end of the day, Bump loves these students, and he will protect them. We saw that with the big serpent lady episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, he loves these students, and he will fight for them. He will protect them. And he threw his body in front of Amity to, like, protect her. Um, so I think the school is going to play a really big role at some point, especially since Lou spent so much time there. Um, and, and I could see it as a way as the emperor, like, we need to crack down on the children. The older people will eventually, you know, not be here anymore. But if we really crack down on this next generation, that's when Bellows gets his claws for good into the system going forward. Yeah. And like we saw in that episode that like Bump is embracing like mixed track kind of taking risks beyond the rules. So I think definitely the school will have a big influence in the future. Yeah. Yeah. What is your moment that you're not over? Like, what are a few moments? Like, what, what? Okay, where's the word? Just go, ah, girl. Um, I guess the dance, I still watch it on repeat every day. (laughs) (laughs) I remember watching the Grom dance and just like, I had to pause and just go, whoa. (laughs) Same here. Like, and I also, the first time I saw, I'm not over the first time I saw Ida in her hour form. That's, like, that was re- the next one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really, really early that just to see her so scary went up to that point. She, she, I mean, Ida's kind of a dork, and that's what I love about her. Um, she's this like very dorky mentor. 
Uh, but to see her so scary and like actively hunting them and you know taking out the snaggleback. Also, shout out to Aaron Hansen from Game Grubs. <laughs> Love you, big Game Grubs fan over here. So every time I see Aaron Hansen's name, I'm like snaggleback. But that moment of just seeing her actively hunting King and mm-hmm. Luce was just terrifying. Yeah, definitely like that moment, and then actually finally like seeing Luce do glyph magic for the first time too. Like that episode, a lot of stuff. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I just got emotional thinking about it. Like when I, the first time Luce did glyph magic, I was just like, my baby. I, it was the same way I feel like when every time I see you put out a podcast episode, I'm just Aww. like. Hey, Allie, do it, do your thing, girl. Um, yeah. Oh. I also really liked seeing Willow's just mindscape, like when they were inside her mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that format of how they set up dreamscapes. It made me think of like a little bit like callback to Gravity Falls and that dreamscape. Is what I'm <laughs> but it made me. I, I would love to see what each person's dreamscape was. Like I almost imagine Gus's like being like a stage. And like and like as you like go through the stage, like it's all the back doors of a stage. I mean, if, if you're a theater kid, you know there's green rooms, costume rooms, props rooms, stuff like that. Um, I, I could see his mindscape being this this like, amazing theater. Do you have any points of what? What was your lowest point of the series to you? It could be a story, character, uh, episode. Like what? What to you do you think that it was the lowest point of the show for you? I think I already got it out of the way. I think it kind of ties back to the whole King thing. I just, in rewatching the show to prep for this, I still struggle with those episodes and the fact that, like, it feels repetitive for how short of a time span it's in, like you said. I don't know. <laughs> That's the only thing I can really think of. I, I love the show. That's just one of my few things I, eh. Yeah, I... I think really small problems that episode, and I'm so glad it came out the same night as under, with Understanding Willow yeah. because yeah. when I was watching that episode, and I was like, I don't know what I'm gonna write about in my review. I mean, it's <laughs> fine. I, I wrote those two episodes together in my review, and really yeah. small problems with like two paragraphs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the rest was Understanding Willow, it, especially because like Once Upon a Swap covered the same storyline exactly yeah but at least with once upon a swap it also gave us more because we saw how powerful Ida was when she was in Ida's body and like that gave us more meat but really small problems to me also felt like it was probably the lowest point of the season mm-hmm. and they need to figure out what to do with king so <sighs> all right what are this this is kind of a two part question. What's your wild, crazy theory of season two, and then what would you actually like to see from season two? And they can be the same thing. <laughs> I think I already got a lot of my like theory stuff out per se. Like I think it it all really goes back to that day of unity stuff, and like we talked about the possible rebellion, breaking away from the system, and all this stuff in relation to Bellows possibly being a human and. Um, glyph magic, wild magic. I think definitely wild magic will be a big part of it as we've gotten a lot about the wild witches and wild magic. And I, I think there'll be a lot with that and it'll be interesting to see where it goes. And then tying, I, I've already kind of said all this. And then as for what I want to see, um, I definitely want to see more stuff in relation to Amity and her parents. Um, especially because we've only gotten like hints of what her parents have done and like stuff. So I definitely want to see more of that. Um, more Lumity content, obviously, but like I said, it doesn't need, like, it's not going to be the main plot, I know, but I'm just here for <laughs> more Lumity content. Um, 
And then other than that, I just can't wait to see the um, relationships evolve because I feel like just like how Amity and Willow were finding forgiveness, like now Lilith and Ida's relationship is going to be tested. And then also seeing um, the kind of teacher-student bonded relationship they all have with teaching each other new magic now and the new ways they have to learn it. And yeah, and then just seeing like where we go, how Luz works to get back home, all, how all that works out. There's so much. Oh, I, just, yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> I, I honestly don't think that they're going to be getting loose. Well, I didn't think that they'd be getting loose home for uh, at least a few more seasons. Yeah, um, I, I but don't I, need to see it immediately, but I'm still interested to see like how that will work is what I'm more precisely. <laughs> and I think it's so the, the place where, where it caught me so off guard was earlier, I think it was in the first day, I think it was that episode, um, she looked right at Principal Bump, and she was just like, I'm not going to be here by that time, I'm going to be home. And then like yeah. she, we had those episodes with King being afraid about Luz going home, yeah. and all these episodes that set that up, and now suddenly, suddenly she can't go home. We haven't brought it up yet, but there's also the whole aspect of the letters, too, as well. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Like, what are those letters? What do you think those letters are? <laughs> I I don't... There was a lot of different theories, and I feel like we slightly started to narrow it down, because, like, there are people who sing as, it was Amity. I never thought it was Amity, but I think we've definitely gone out of the way it's not Amity now. There were some people who said it's possibly um the blights in some way i don't necessarily know why but like i think that'd be interesting especially if they have ties like to like like larger higher-ups because we obviously know they have a lot of prominence um and then obviously it could be in relation to just the emperor's covenant away and i think a lot of interesting points that come off of it are people saying that like they need loose in a there in a way but obviously i think there's a lot of stuff that people have said in relation to also the fact that the finale could possibly change things and what occurred in the finale. Um, like people are like, Oh, maybe the person who's writing the letters will have to change their plan now that Luce is stuck there or whatever. And maybe that wasn't part of their plan. So th- those are just a bunch of ideas. I'm not really completely sure, but I definitely think it's interesting. And it, it's still like, Ooh, kind of creepy, creepy Luce, <laughs> creepy Luce. <laughs> I was thinking about this for a while, and I, I think it's going to be a, a character we haven't met yet. Um, I think there could be someone out there that maybe knows the re- like maybe knows Ida. Um, it could be a, another wild witch. It could be. I also love that witch is a gender gender neutral term in this world, but I think it's going to be a character we just haven't seen yet. And maybe if, if Belos is a human, maybe it was how he came through and this person is hiding. So now he needs another portal. Like there's there's questions and I have questions, <laughs> but I I don't feel like Ida would keep loose there for selfish yeah, gain. Yeah, that's why I didn't even talk about that theory. I was like, no. I've, yeah, I've seen that floating around that it's Ida. And I just that doesn't seem like it's an Ida's character. Especially um, after the finale with how she, like, really acknowledges, like, you already have a family. Like, go back to that. Like, she clearly doesn't want to keep loose there. She knows she has a family, so, like. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah I don't I don't know um, what to make of those letters. <laughs> I, I, it scares, it makes me really scared for uh, Camellia. Like, it makes me really yeah. scared for, for Luce's mom. I, I'm actually more scared for Luce's mom than I am for Luce in this situation. Because I know Luce has the protection of, like, Ida and King and Hootie and all her friends and stuff like that. Amelia doesn't. Like, she's yeah. 
she's alone and eventually somewhere somehow somebody has a way to contact her and yeah. she's not aware that her daughter's okay she's i i, I really don't want to see actually i do because my god i love drama <laughs> i oh. do not want to see uh her get brought into this um some way uh i think oh, there, there's a lot there and mm-hmm. i don't know i don't i almost don't necessarily want the letters to be addressed in well here okay here's my thing i was about to say i don't want to see the letters get addressed in season two but uh-huh. depending on how long the show runs if this is like a five season show then they can wait but if this is gonna be like like a three season show then they need to address it sooner so yeah. it so i am torn not not knowing star wars resistance man that <laughs> show be over because i was like they're setting up like four to five seasons worth of storylines in the first season and then we find out that it's only two season long and it completely destroyed everything in my life <laughs> that show you know, so that's an interesting point because there was a lot of debate over the finale and how rushed it kind of felt and how much they felt they were trying to pack in and i saw a lot of people's defense of it um was the fact that they were trying to tie up so much because they weren't sure if they were going to get more seasons so they were like trying to leave us with like satisfaction for certain plot points and i thought that was an interesting defense because i came into the show later so i was never sure like how many seasons we get either so i don't know that was interesting but i still i still liked the finale i didn't i'm one of those people who didn't think it was like too much i thought it set up a lot of interesting stuff for the future while like tying up a lot that was built up in the first season so i don't know <laughs> yeah it's more open in the open-ended than i think people give it credit for yeah um like it, it feels like a chapter of Ida and Lilith, for example, has closed. Yeah, it has, but now they're opening a new door, and now yeah. they have to go forward in this new form. So, like, that that is a beginning. This is the beginning of Luce's journey, trying to figure out how to go home. And, and that's, that's the thing. Like, I love Hexide. I don't know how much I want to see, like, every episode based in Hexide. I, I'm hoping that they're actually doing, like, a very active, like, let's find out Luce a journey home. But that's the the danger of that is splitting the cat the cast because I doubt that Willow and Gus and Amity's parents are gonna be like, sure, you can go marching across a dead titan to help your friend get home. No, go to school. <laughs> yeah, no, and I especially feel like now that there's like a spot like this character who's like spying on the owl house now, like I feel like there's going to have to be more division in the way, especially after the events of the finale, but I'm still hoping there's not too much division in, like you're saying, so interesting to see how they they handle it but it's it's also really hard not knowing because that's the life of tv shows you never know if you're going to be saved or not you always have shows like uh timeless timeless is one of my favorite shows and i i everybody should watch it matt lanter who's voice of anakin skywalker's in it he plays a really great role but they purposely wrote i think season two to be this like big open ending to be like surely they won't cancel us and they got canceled. <laughs> and so it was like cliffhanger, huge ending. And yeah. luckily the fans like really rallied behind it and they were able to get a movie to finish the show properly. But like, that's the thing, especially with the animation. I think Rebecca Sugar faced like three cancellations for Steven yeah. Universe. Yeah. And so it's really interesting. Like if, if Dana Terrace came in with a plan, because season two was already renewed, I think before the show ever aired. It, it was very early in the show or before the show ever aired. They already knew they had a season two. Um, but if that's the case, like maybe Dana is pulling an Alex Hirsch 
Alex Hirsch was very clear. He's like, I want this to be a two season show. Yeah. It's not going to, like, Disney was throwing money at them because they're like, no, you're our flagship <laughs> show. Like, yeah. make a third season. He was very firm. And she might be doing this too. It's her yeah. first run with Disney. And this is her first, is this her first show running? I think so. Um, so she might be following those things and be like, two seasons. Boom. This is the story. Which means that plot, it makes sense that plot and character are moving really fast. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have anything else you want to put in for the Owl House season one? <laughs> I I just really enjoyed it, and I'm so glad I finally made time to check out the show because <laughs> I'd always been meaning to since like it first came out, but I just never got around to it because I'm bad like that. But I'm just so glad I finally checked it out because now I'm like freaking obsessed with it to like and insane degree like my star wars friends can vouch for me on like twitter like i'm tweeting about the house almost as much as i tweet about star wars now so. <laughs> <laughs> i've been trying to like find a, like, a nice balance because you know like I, I have to promote like different things that i do and stuff like that but i did have like that day i was just like this is all i'm talking about is this yeah. finale <laughs> like agony of a witch i was like everyone look at this agony of a witch it's beautiful <laughs> look at these look at these baby gays dancing at grom look at the baby gays at grom go gays <laughs> let's go lesbians <laughs> um yeah no i am very pleased with this show i i really like it. i do think it has some missteps here and there but nothing's perfect that's the whole point i'm really proud to see this show i i'm i'm proud i'll be the first to say i'm very critical of disney as a company as a, as a corporation i'm not a fan of disney um i love the characters i love the stories I, I, but as a company i have a lot of criticisms for them but this time they're doing good. They're doing really good with this show. Um, I think they just need to keep letting Dana do her thing and not not coward to the same bigots that they were f- afraid of with Alex Hirsch. Yeah. Because that was six years ago. And <laughs> a lot has happened in six years. Mm-hmm. And those criticisms are for another time. <laughs> I could go off for another 20 minutes about... I've done it before. I was like, and this! So... <laughs> done that before go off on disney criticism so all right Allie, where can people <laughs> find you um you can find me on twitter at ally underscore m underscore andrews as hope said earlier my podcast is knights of wren with a w in the wren uh you can find that on itunes or podcast.com and my youtube channel like hopes is actually under my name now so Ali Andrews, if you want to check out my YouTube channel for some reason. <laughs> and other than that, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> Ali made a wonderful, wonderful Clone Wars video over on her YouTube channel. And I, I, was, I was so honored like when I got to participate in it. And I was like, oh my god, I get to do that. <laughs> so go check it out. I will put everything in the show notes. So, Well, of course, you can find me at geekygirlexperience.com. Uh, this is the animation podcast for Geeky Girl Experience. Um, you can also find me at Hope Molinex. I have a Patreon. You can check that out. Um, that would be awesome. And, oh gosh. And I have a Star Wars podcast called J Guys and Jedi that I do with my normal co- co-podcaster, Chris. Um, and you can find that at J Guys and Jedi. And, yeah. Um, I don't know what I'm talking about next week because this is a special. So, um, something gravity falls. <laughs> <laughs> next week, something gravity falls, so... All right, well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Allie. I appreciate thank it. Thank you. Yay. <laughs> All right, you guys. Next week, Chris will be back, and we'll see you next time.